keep this in. The the Super Rugby website is fucking atrocious. <laughs> Which one? There's like a couple, isn't there? There's like a yeah, few. yeah. There's Super Dot Rugby one. I mean, I'm impressed they've got that domain, but I'm just trying to find uh, fixtures when you have to go round by round, and then to get to the ladder. Which you think results, and you want to look at the ladder next. You have to go into stats. Why yeah. isn't the ladder its own standalone menu item? Feedback to uh, feedback to whoever's responsible for this one. What are you anticipating seeing, you know, amongst the New Zealand teams? Given you've you've given all that about the All Blacks. Uh, just so many good young players, mate. I don't know how you do it there. Oh, I do because you got three of the biggest uh, academies in the world: Fiji, Samoa, and Tonga. We're not bad. We were waiting for it. Hello and welcome to another Drop Kickoff podcast. We were kind of planning to keep this one a bit short, but unfortunately, uh, Nathan's big boss decided to make a name for for himself (laughs) in the news today. Um, That's right. Andy Marinos has uh, resigned from Rugby Australia. I don't imagine he'll be finishing up tomorrow. It's a bit of a shock in a World Cup year. And after they just posted a fat profit of uh, about $8 million. Anyway, we'll be talking about that today. And, of course, Super Rugby. I don't know if this will be grim or interesting or boring. Jeez, you're selling this well. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I was just thinking to myself, like, it, it's so, like, it, talk about rugby always being an, ne- never having a dull moment. You Never having a dull moment with, with everything. Oh, sorry, I meant on. like Super Rugby being boring. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Not, <laughs> not us, not us. Oh anyway, yeah, that's that's a given. That's a given. So unlike other podcasts, I actually got an employee of uh, Rugby Australia with us. So I guess we'll start off. Nathan, um, tell us about uh, Andy. I guess. What are your thoughts on him? And firstly, in terms of finding out, it was a complete shock. Like it was one of those things. You know, you get a get a brief kind of heads up that something was happening, but we just had no idea what. And when the kind of news broke, it was just like, oh, okay. Shit. Oh, the, the dreaded or like staff meeting with no context. Yeah, you know the one. Yeah. 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 The, the last, I guess, I think the last one we copped to that was Eddie being, Eddie coming in, Dave out. I was just like, oh, okay. So this could be anything. But in terms of Andy as a person, I nothing but great words to say about him. I think he's generally a nice person. Like as a, Leaders always said the right things, was very much so doing stuff, not for kind of tokenistic reasons. He really wanted to make a difference. Like he was, you know, particularly when you look around that kind of sevens and women's rugby, he really, you know, if there was a something to celebrate, it was like, it wasn't like, a, oh, sweet. Yeah, let's do it. It was like, a, no, no, let's try and actually give this the coverage and give this the kind of love it deserved. Like the way he treated people, again, always super approachable and friendly about it. I think my last interaction with him was Friday, like Friday night covering the Brumbies game, just in the office. He's sort of coming, just came around, seeing what the score is, going again, marveling at that Corey tool drive where he kind of sprints around. He's just something simple as that, but like completely kind of out of blue. But again, in terms of my relationship with him, and I think a lot of people relationship to the RA beyond just those kind of press conferences, he's just a generally good bloke that kind of that cared about it. And ultimately provided stability when it was needed. So I think he's got a lot to be applauded for. So do you know yet? Do you, I mean, the meeting, was it, are there any plans for the future? Did you, I've, again, they I've, will fill you in later this week or? I have no idea what the kind of next step is. I'm not, my understanding from the press release is he will stay on till mid-June. Um, process will then, process has begun to find a new person. A lot of the kind of media speculation is, next person in line is Phil Wall, who's, Current board member, I think also pretty high up exec in, I want to say Westpac is one of the big banks. He's kind of come through there. Um, so I think that's probably your next step. And if you're looking at replacements, that's probably, if you had to kind of make a, um, a betting market, he's probably your favorite right now. So I think, I think the process will start. I so it's NOB. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's at, he was at and still is at as an executive. Um, I think the process will start, but I reckon he'll be one of the favourites, if not the clear favourite to kind of take over. And I think there's, I think even there's a couple of um, news reports that have him kind of linked as a close ally of Hamish in terms of a guy who goes to for rugby advice. So again, it's a wait and see, but I, I think Phil's probably probably going to be your next man in life if I have to make him, make a guess. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so Nick, I guess this is the part where we talk because we don't get Nathan. <laughs> uh, it's just me and Nick talking. So importantly, Phil War, he's from Moss. He lives in Mossman, went to shore, which is the two requirements you need to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good, good requirement to have as a CEO. Um, making it, they're making a habit of it, aren't they? Because like they're really making a habit of it. <laughs> yeah, um, mate. When, when in doubt, you say it's a bloodline. <laughs> if it ain't um, broke, yeah, yeah. So interesting. Uh, Nathan's colleague over in the PR department will probably have their work cut out for them because you can kind of imagine Nick that there'll be a lot of talk about being the uh, the butter in between the Hamish McLennan bread and the Eddie Jones bread. What an interesting six months it's been. We're we're like only a few months out from a World Cup. I mean, this is me now, not not uh, like take looking at it from an outsider looking in. And within the in the last six months, we're we're so close to a World Cup, and CEO has resigned, and the, and the coach has changed in very very quick succession, which are pretty significant changes uh, when it comes to a change of dynamic and a change of look. Phil War, I mean, I know Phil's been involved in behind the scenes for a long time. And, you know, he's been on the board for for many, many years. I think he's been there for, you know, a long time, even back during, uh, like he he was involved even back during when Ben, when uh, Bill Pulver was in charge of, of things. So I don't think that there is any necessarily anything wrong with going towards someone who has familiarity with the organisation and organ- and familiarity with that space. But that uh, next appointment is going to be very, very critical for the incredibly obvious reason of exactly what is in- ahead of them in the coming years. I think people may have, you know, will have will say what they want about Andy because that's what the press does. That's what they always do. They're going to talk about, they're going to talk positive and negative. They're, doing, they're going to talk shit no matter what, no matter what. But in these two years, um, the achievements that they have been able to make, uh, at least off the field, have been really good. I'm not going to lie. Like, they've secured two World Cups. They've locked in a British and Irish Lions tour. They started the process of uh, an implementation to professionalise women's rugby. There is, a, you know, and not only that, that's locked in for a decent part of this decade, which is shaping up to be a really critical decade for Australian rugby. Even also the fact that that, that while Stan Sport was kind of uh, really, really the product of 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 his, you know, of the of the previous group that were here because when Raylene took them out, took uh, took the rights to market, they've done a lot with that. And it's been reflected in the fact that they're that they are now getting more revenue for for their more bang for their buck. No third tier yet, but we always hold out. Yeah, I don't think the third tier is going to happen for a while. <laughs> Here's a question: Do we say do we would we want the next person to be someone who is familiar and someone who is inside? You know, it's been who's familiar with the organization, or do we want someone who? comes in with one big swing after another, like someone external. Well, from the outside looking in, and I mean, just in my experience as well with Green and Gold Rugby in this podcast, rugby in Australia is seems very clandestine and secret and hush-hush and very much a closed book because they don't need to be an open book or they don't feel they need to be. And in the era of instant access, technology like Twitter provides, for instance, they're still very closed shop. And I mean, look, it, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about business, but you'd imagine you just want someone who knows what's happening to keep the ship running until the World Cup this year. But imagine if that was Phil War, right? Just gets contract to the end of the year, then he'd probably just be reappointed anyway for two years. And I, I don't want someone to come in from the the boys' club. I don't think Australian rugby needs that. They were tossing up Todd Greenberg. He seems very impressive and very in touch. He's currently the Cricket Players Association CEO. Mm. Um, just, a, just a button. I would love to see Todd Greenberg just to see the shit that would that would cause the NRL and everyone else. Can you imagine <laughs> the yeah. shit that would co- the what's the what's the saying the the enemy of my enemy is my friend or something along the lines of that. Oh, that just the drama that would cause would be <laughs> unreal. He's also again comes in comes in with a very good pedigree. Again, even though NRL people hate him, like he's he did a lot for that game and got through a pretty tough time. So he'd be he'd be a great choice. Yeah, yeah. Add to, and add to that point, I actually think there's a lot of merit to that, Nick. I reckon, I, I know a lot of people look back on Raylene Castle's era with a, with a, a lot of 
mixed feelings, but I actually reckon that was a really important era for Australian rugby. And the fact that she was an outsider who came in and actually made, you know, a lot of, a lot of change. I actually think there's not necessarily a bad idea in sticking with in in trying to go down that route again. That's a thing as well with Raylene Castle is that I just don't know. I don't feel like I've been given a well-rounded view of her from the media. You know, there was only leaks. And then I remember I found it flipping, but Georgina Robinson wrote this article, which is like, oh, she did. She got some things wrong, some things right. It's like, what? Like, tell me, educate me, inform me. But again, it's kind of that um, clandestine and it can be a bit like political reporting where, you know, they don't say anything important. It was a political time, though. Like, that was a tenuous time in Australian rugby. Like, the the big, I think. So we heard, you know. Why hasn't the last month or whatever been tenuous? Because, you know, Rod, you know, Phil Kearns didn't want the job this time around. Um, I mean, to be frank. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I do hope it's a smart decision. Um, and it's also interesting as well. I just want to say that Hamish McLennan is more or less, seems to be acting as a executive chairman, which <laughs> to my limited business knowledge is he is the CEO and the chairman of the board. I was going to say, I think he just loves taking shots at NRL. Like, Hamish is, it's only, it's only kind of come to me the past week when I saw it in person. We realized just how calculated, like, that whole side of the narrative is. Like, yeah. he just, he's, he's that type of guy that knows that. I, I always saw the relationship as Hamish was, was the one who wasn't afraid to be like, I'll, I'll put my name out and, like, fire these shots while Andy got the, went in, I did, still did that CEO role and got the important stuff done alongside Hamish. But Hamish was always this kind of bigger is that is this bigger figure that isn't afraid to kind of take a shot at Peter Volandis or whoever else comes to the game and kind of and say what, what do I got to lose in that chairman's role so yeah and Peter Volandis is the same as well I mean I don't even know who the NRL CEO is literally and that's the that's the, the funny thing about it is it's Andrew Abdo who's yeah. a South what's again a South African that came into the game with little rugby Rugby league knowledge, or not little rugby league knowledge, with a limited rugby league knowledge. Isn't all rugby again, league the, knowledge limited? True, <laughs> but again, the the the, the parallel. It's always, which is always what I found was so funny about the parallels is you had two in, in terms of the two rugby codes. You had two South African born business uh, businessmen come in with a eccentric chairman who was willing to fire shots at each other. Like the similarities were so perfect. Yeah. It still are. Look, it's all for, it is all for clicks at the end of the day, and that's the reason why they're doing the things that they're doing. The cold hard truth of it is, is that get ready. This is the new norm now. This is just going to be the new norm because we're now into thirty years of professionalism. Um, and now a lot of those young kids who have grown up in Australia since that time have grown up both both playing union and league. So both are options and the player pool is open as a result of it. And frankly, it's a great opportunity for both codes, but it's a click generator. It's a discussion maker. That's literally all it is. Any Marinos resigning, you mean? It's all just another part of the Vaudeville. <laughs> it's, well, not Andy resigning, but yeah. I will say that it's a, inevitably we'll bring it, we'll bring it back to the, with any podcast we do, we inevitably, inevitably bring it back to the, to the code war and, and rust, mm. ruffling in our real yeah. feathers. They should hire Israel for our CEO. That would be. I think I'm no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's see how that. Let's see how or that Campo, pans out. Or Campo. Oh, um, Campo. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, question out there to our listeners: um, If you wanted to get uh, a quote from a rugby legend and you wanted the most clicks, who would you get the quote from? Uh, Campisi, Hamish McLennan, uh, Eddie Jones. Is Ralph Lau. We should put that in a poll. Oh, or Brett Papworth. I or Brett. Be a lot. <laughs> let's actually add. I'll add another. Let's add another poll on top of the poll. Who is who is your wrong answer for who should replace uh, for who should replace <laughs> Andy <laughs> Marinos? Your wrong yeah. wrong answer. I want to see it. I want to know who your who you think is the wrong the absolute wrong right person to take up. This uh, role. Well, I, I mean, know. friend of the pod, Matt Rowley. Maybe you'll throw his. Uh... Oh yes, rally, oi, rally! What you're being called out? You've been called out already on this pod multiple times. Mister uh, Reg Roberts has called you out. Mate, Come on, that. mate, get it, get down off the ivory tower. Did you what's end up trending? Hashtag rally to ra. Rally to ra. <laughs> That's, and yeah. there's the and yeah, there's Rowley. the name. Yeah, it's at Rally. 
Cruelly to us. All right. And this and, and that's the name of the pod right there. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's talk about super. First question to you, Nick. Um, super's a bit crap. How do we fix it? Well, it's a good question. I will say oh, that it's the crap, last... right? You agree it's crap. I was gonna I look until round ten, I was gonna say, yeah, it's been pretty ordinary. Was it the week before? Like so, you know. Nothing was done on Easter. There's been three weeks of buys. There's been like resting players, which is crap. I like, I don't care. It's crap. But uh, resting players is just a World Cup thing. Like, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it sucks. Like, it just sucks. Like, is the concept is the concept dead because is the concept dead because of the way that they've organised it, or do we actually think that the entire concept of the twelve team structure just doesn't work? Um, the twelve team structure one probably could work, but it's more so like. I mean, was it the week before uh, last week, the week just passed, the the lowest odds for an underdog was five bucks or something like that. Mm. Um, Like that was just kind of representative of how one-sided and predictable the competitions become. Um, You know, four of, there's five good teams and four of them are Kiwi teams. Half the time the Kiwis don't even seem to sell out half the stadium. And it's just it's just a mess, and I don't know. They yeah. just really have to look at rejigging it. A couple of points there in there, in the sense that at this at this current moment, it feels like a competition of two. Like it's as as you kind of allude to Nick, it's the top five teams, and then there's a gap. Like where the fifth place Crusaders are on twenty eight, the Reds in six are on nineteen. We played well, that's nine games. After nine games, already nine point difference. You then couple that with, as you said, you know, Chase Crusaders was a great crowd, but. Again, Brumbies, Wellington should have a lot more. Um, Moana, the Auckland experiment needs to die. Like, mm. treat the treat them like an actual Moana team, not a NPC All Stars. Like, let's get them actually playing games in Samoa <laughs> and Tonga, and yes. properly give it, properly mark them as this point of difference. Or if you're not going to do that, going to say open them up to all your actual big name stars. Like what NRL did, did really well with, oh, and it wasn't the NRL itself. Sorry, it was. The like Tongan and Samoan based players is they re- essentially rejected playing for Australia or New Zealand and they basically forced it themselves. They're like, nah, I want to play for my nationality. If you can get your Arties, yeah, these like these type of players who have Samoan and Tongan backgrounds to kind of incentivize them to be like, no, like, yeah, playing for Hurricanes is great or playing for the Chiefs is great, but go, this is your chance to represent your culture. We'll kind of facilitate the move, be that marquee player and actually make this team competitive. Because there's not much missing from that team being competitive. Like they've they've pushed basically everyone in the competition. Oh, not everyone, but they've pushed at least half in half the games they played. Like if you did that, you then kind of, I think it, I think it will level out next year with a lot of the Kiwi guys going big Kiwi names going overseas. But you kind of better influence into Moana again. Have the Australian teams been more competitive? Like there's and maybe go to a a six team finals. Yeah, make it a six team final. This is it's. I think it's a get. It's a getting a bit ridiculous at this point the whole notion of of, a, of an eight team final situation the fact that two-thirds of the the ladder get in to finals mm. I, I get i get why like you have to guarantee at least three australian teams but i think the australians have shown at this stage it's probably gonna be a four-two split if you did a six six team final it's again it's what happened last year it's what the, mm. the ladders look like this year like for a four-two split again it's not too bad like considering we're both kind of both te- both countries depth kind of sits i think we've got to cop that and all of a sudden that six can you imagine if we had a instead of it being eight if you had a the way the ladder is now sure first to fifth becomes battle position but if you had a like a five team battle for the last spot that just puts so much more weight on those games and exactly. this, yes, there's still weight in the games but it feels like you can you can lose those games you can still lose those games and mm. oh i can sneak in at seven or eight yeah i also think it incentivizes it might incentivize our teams to also Play better, in all, in all honesty. I don't. Th- I still. I do think it would still be a four-two situation, but uh, if it was a season like this. But I mean, I, I, I some of those games that I was looking at, uh, I was just thinking, come on, there, there is actually a like. If there was, a, if it was the case that you were playing for six spots, and it's not the case, and, and you know, you can slide in with four wins and nine losses into a finals berth, <laughs> then clearly. You're not getting a lot of, you're not having a lot of pressure put on you, even though that season by a numerical amount has not been successful. 
put the move it to six, and yeah. and maybe it might give uh, Aussie teams like a shot in the arm to go. You know what? Well, we're not going to be embarrassed and have this be a five and one situation, and um, and actually try and push for positions and actually be a bit more tactical in the way we go about games. But also, uh, like I mean, yeah, six is good. That that'd be great. It's just that yeah, the comps is kind of moribund. They like they don't play enough games, so you go okay. Well, how do you fit that in the schedule? You know, because they start playing um, internationals in July, um, so you've only got like four months of competition because you can't push too much into summer, of course. But I just, I, I, it just kind of sucks that you play. It's just all everywhere. They don't play enough games, and then in Europe they're playing twenty, you know, twenty, thirty, thirty game seasons at club level. And you just don't have a chance to kind of get any momentum or build into the team or, I mean, for the players as well and and for a fan, um, that this is hardly any games. I mean, there's like one Waratahs Reds game this year. Um, yeah, so that they don't sucks. Really focus on what you want. I think they probably should go back to conferences and just have the Australian conference and the New Zealand conference and at the end they play each other. What, like a Heineken Cup style? Kind of thing, yeah. And, you know, you have six teams in the Australian comp, so the five plus the drawer, but you play each other twice. So you do have that back and forth. And I think they probably just have to change to that or something like that. Uh, but there are structural problems as well. So all the teams are built just to be developmental systems for the All Blacks and the Wallabies. And that's just an old, defunct idea. It's like Super Rugby's turning into Sheffield Shield, where Sheffield Shield is for cricket. Just not being watched. Yeah, it's for the diehards. No one really cares. The product is Australia. Here's my question then. Let's just say that we add maybe one or two more wins to Australian sides. So say the Rebels picked up that win against the Hurricanes. The Mm -hmm. Waratahs weren't embarrassed by the Blues and, and managed to grab a win in Auckland or something like that. Does the Does it make you look on the competition differently? Well, it would be more competitive. Probably. Probably. I, I, honestly, when you look at every issue, I think that's just the main one. We can kind of discuss competition errors and all that sort of stuff. If we were routinely betting these, the Kiwi sides, there'd be no need for conferences. Like, we'd be, we'd be cool. That's Correct. ultimately what the, what the issue, issue is, is the fact that we just haven't been competitive enough. And, you know, there's an issue in passive rugby as well. It's just, it's, we've got to get to that stage where we're building team we're going to build the teams up so we get into a stage where it's a regular thing that we're betting these sides and that's ultimately when you kind of boil it all down to it uh, yeah it's simple but winning changes everything i also think there's a complacency right now in when it comes to trans tasman derbies probably because the kiwis have had it so good for so long and i want to talk about that hurricanes brumbies game that was a game between third and second on the ladder and they got a crowd of less than ten thousand. they got a crowd Mm. of under nine thousand to that game. Was it crappy conditions though? I can't, I, I don't no, really see much. Of the I game. don't know. It I don't wasn't. So. No, it wasn't. Like, it so. was, it was actually like, I know that, you know, Wellington is famous for its blustery weather, but uh, from, I think there was an article I, re- I read on rugby pass. Um, I believe it was where they, like a, a Kiwi commentator went out and just said, what the hell? And, and which first of all is, is amazing. I think frankly, when you have what a position to be in, where you are calling out fans for not showing up to a game. How often will you say that a product... Why aren't you coming and checking out my product that are... <laughs> like, is such an... What a, what, a, what a position to find yourself in. But for all intensive purposes, uh, there is a point to that. Because the Brumbies, even though they lost, are still in second because they picked up the losing bonus point. Mm. It was a really competitive game. Both sides were in touch and neck and neck for the vast majority of it. And yet it didn't have the pool of uh, the game that happened the following night just up the road at Waikato, which was a sellout. And I'm surprised the Crusa- that was a sellout, a sellout though, but yeah. Uh, well, it's, I can't remember the last time the Chiefs sold out the Tron, but, you yeah. know, take take that what you will. I think there's but, but also... That's, that's the thing. Like the New Zealand team has been playing fantastic rugby for years and there should be more people at the games, but there aren't. I'd actually want to see the Warriors... Uh, attendance figures. I was watching this comedian on YouTube, this Kiwi comedian just going, it was out the front of the Warriors thing, just doing Vox Pops. Mm. I've never seen anything that interesting for rugby. It's just, uh, yeah, like no one cares. I don't, and uh, no one's doing anything to do it so, to, to fix it, really. 
I mean, they're doing the, like, the rule changes, but uh, and that's one of those things. It's got to be the first priority of with this with the competitions locked into like twenty thirty. So it's not. I think it's worth meriting like what you know what different competitions look like. It's going to stay like this realistically. It's more of how do you kind of as you said, how do you innovate it? How do you make it exciting? You know, it's a seven years question of for, this shit. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I, I won't be watching Warriors... in seven years, you know, if it keeps going. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, Warriors, I, I, Warriors are averaging twenty k's, and they're, yeah, they're right, right, as you said. Um, I mean, there might be some merit in what you were saying about Moana. Maybe they just turn into a touring team, so they play in Brisbane. Um, they play, you know, out in Parramatta. Play where they're supposed to be playing. Yeah, that's. I think that's like the Moana experiment. I think has weight to it, has legs to it still. I mean, and I and yes, I get it. They're they're fu- the the pretty much funded and bankrolled by the NZRU. I get it, and the concept I think has excellent legs to have a representative team, um, representing like a team that uh, that feeds into those those sides in Samoa and Tonga. And I mean, you look at you look at the drawer, look at the drawer and the success that they have been able to achieve by playing at home. So if you're gonna be a, if you're gonna represent the Pacific nations go and play in the Pacific nations. And I know like the concept did work because uh, like Auckland is the world's largest Polynesian city in terms of, you know, uh, per capita, but it's clear that it's just not big enough, particularly when you've got uh, a blues team that's also performing really, really well playing just across the road. Um, No, but like it should work. So I don't know what they're doing. The reason why you're not playing in Tonga and Samoa is a, all the players probably live in New Zealand anyway. B, Tonga and Samoa are like low tier in terms of economy and GDP. So I remember they played in Fiji or Samoa and it was like the price of the ticket was two months wages. And they're like, well, we can't make it any lower because it becomes incredibly unfeasible to do it. Three, the people most likely to support them with the most disposable income live in Auckland, Sydney, Brisbane, which is why I say they should just be a touring team for those countries. And they And if they're playing in... Also, the facilities in Tonga are small. Probably, you know, dog shit. Excuse my, excuse me French. But I just, there's all those things. So it's it's kind of fraught. Like, and I think, I'm going to say Tonga's, like, Fiji is the most viable because it's got a population of, I think, half a million. Samoa and Tonga don't have that population at all to support it. And then plus it's because yeah. it's so remote. So airfares and logistics is just so hard. And also the TV yeah, crews, do they, Sky and Stan, do they want to fly their people out there? I mean, there's a reason why... Uh, you know, NRL likes playing at the big stadiums. It's because Fox Hill's like, I'm not sending my guys out there to Belmore to in, in these subpart facilities. So that's why it really should just be a token game out there. But really, it should be touring, and they should really tap into the immigrant communities. But so you mean like a game? I think for also, example, New West Zealand, Sydney, yeah, yeah, New Zealand. Are you probably also part of it? They don't want it to succeed. Like it would be great. Like if you got Artis Arve to go, um, like Nathan, you're saying. But they're probably like, oh, he's not the coaching system that Moana is probably not as good. But I mean, maybe if you stick to it, and it could really turn into a Blues versus Moana rivalry. Sorry, Nathan. I would say that's a rally. It's a very good point you just raised as well. It's just trying to find that balance. But I mean, yeah, I feel like we've talked a lot about negative. I mean, there's, a, there's some positives going on in Super Rugby. Mm. Standard Brumbies are performing well. Like, we had a couple <laughs> of Aussie, Aussie wins over the weekend. Like, it's not yeah, all about yeah. that. Uh, we've talked about the Brumbies. I uh, don't think we'll be very positive when I get my turn to talk about Waratahs. Oh a win's God. a win. So, I mean, Nick, do you have anything more to say about the Brumbies? So, last time we did a pod, they were by, and then they lost to the Hurricanes. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Larkham blamed Eddie Jones as well, a big camp, for tiring out his players. What were you doing with them when they were on the bye, Larkham? But, um... Like, I think the the they were competitive for the whole match, and I do think there are a lot of positives to take out of out of the game. First of all, just let's just talk about Nick Frost and that seventy five meter try. That Glorious. is, oh my god! Like that's the that is just amazing. The fact that he outran the fullback and the and the, and the back three to get there um, reminded me of Radiki Samo back in twenty eleven, except without the aerodynamic hairstyle, but. <laughs> It, the only thing that, that did sell us short was, I think, the I think we, it was just moments of defensive defensive lapses, um, which were w- led to several of the tries kind of uh, in the second half, which I think probably shouldn't have been tries, um, which was which was a little disappointing, and also the fact that that Amua, the the hooker for the Hurricanes, clearly had they done it, they did their homework on where they could attack the line out. 
um, and he made a couple of moments, which I think uh, probably would have caught the Brumbies off guard a little bit. In saying that, which I think where that was where the game was really won and lost, uh, those kind of key differences and key matchups, that was the real things that separated the sides. And I will say that there was one really cool thing that did come out of this of this game was how good the Brumbies are starting to look on counterattack. Quick turnover ball counterattack. Two of those tries just came from nothing at all. Look at, at nothing the two, at all. Nothing, nothing at all. all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, which was, I think, really really positive to look at because um, a lot of those. Not, it's not very often. It's not. It's been a little while since we've been able to manage and pull off a, a very quick counter-attacking try style um, and to do that and outdo it against the Hurricanes on multiple occasions in that game was really, really positive. So not all is lost in that game. Mm. Um, well, I didn't see any of the game because I was at the pub because um, I went to go see the Waratahs this weekend. So the Waratahs, I believe they lost to the Blues last weekend. I can't remember. Yeah, let's, let's just ignore that game. That was let's, a, let's ignore I mean, that game. Let's not uh, talk about that game. It was they... a well, Waratahs A-side. They squeaked to victory against the Highlanders and they played like crab juice. It was a disgusting game from the Waratahs. Granted, I was probably a bit cut, uh, <laughs> half cut, I mean, watching it. But <laughs> I don't, I, I, the team is better than it was last year and the performances are half as good. They just didn't seem to want to play many times of, you know, lackluster kick chase. That kind of thing. Although it, it's certainly kind of not as bad as the Reds were looking, but similar that there's a couple of names that play get well game after game after game. One of it's Hooper, Gordon, Holloway, uh, Parisi. Uh, he's got a hell of a try, um, by wiggling his biceps. But, um, yeah, just disgusting game. And the Highlanders, I don't know. Like, I, I thank God I'm not a Highlanders fan because, um, yeah. <laughs> they played pretty poorly as well, but lost to a crap Waratahs team. And also, I guess the only other comment is Ben Donaldson looks like his girlfriend broke up with him. Oh. Um, <laughs> he just looks shot of confidence. He's like, why am I out here? Nathan, let, let, let us, let, let us know how you really think. Last comment. <laughs> Jeez, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, my thoughts are a win's a win. Like, again, as the Waratahs have played a lot better and still lost with games last year against Kiwi sides in close situations. I think the Blues look that game at Leichhardt was they should have beat the Blues and just didn't um, stands out. So the fact that they're just winning yeah. is a big thing. Yeah, I think that they're heading in the right direction, but we've got to see a lot more. As you said, it's a lot more talented team than what it was last year, and it's just we just haven't seen them play. I think the Brumbies was the closest thing we saw to, a, to their best performance, and they lost. Like it's in, in a win, we haven't seen them at their best. So as was it's weird as it to say, probably not necessarily the worst thing. Like we have a, a month ago. If they can all of a sudden start finding form here, like that's a dangerous side to be floating as a six seed. You look at the potential. Ifs, could... They've got a good run. They they do have a good run home. I will say that they've got a they very do. they've got a very good run home. But um, it's now time. It's now time to turn around and you know heading up the towns of this week to face the Queens Queensland Reds. This is the time to do it. And just to comment as well, just again, kind of goes back to like an invigorating Super Rugby. They had this thing at halftime where it was like they'd asked Marky Mark these questions and you had to guess what he said. But the questions are like, what does he prefer, laundry or um, doing the laundry or doing the dishes or something like that? And I just wish you could try a bit harder. I know you've got to be family friendly, but, you know, would you rather have, you know, claws for hands or hooves for feet? You know, something like that, you know, a bit more interesting, a bit less from the throne. I mean, usually, usually they've got the usually they've got the good old budgie budgie race. That should, yeah, that, that was that was cool. I think what they also should do is do like a they should get the shoot shield props and get them to do an eating competition. Ooh. Something oh, yeah. like that. Like a meat like you know, a meat, just like a meat fight chow down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the budgie one was pretty good because they made them sprint a hundred meters or something and then eat three lamingtons. Was that like that? No, no, it was something mm. else. It was like yeah, it was disgusting, and you yeah. could see them. <laughs> you could see from their stand the visible disgust. But yeah, just something like just a bit more fun. Think about it. Really use rugby strengths, which is you know game for all sizes. That's one. Um, it could even be like you got to carry a like a um, scrum half. Did you have a rough Friday night? Because I'm not going to lie, like the fact that we didn't even. So we always have sometimes a bit of a running joke with our Twitter: who tweeted what? And I'm I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like there wasn't even a Tolu tweet, not a single, not a yeah. single uh, Tolu yeah. tweet. 
The, like that's yeah. how that's how is that how dire we were? Um, <laughs> so, squad just broke Nick's heart. He knows Tully's yeah, yeah. not getting back in the squad. Ah! Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is shocking. Anyway, I also disagree with Windsor win. I just want them to play good rugby. I'd rather them play good rugby and lose and play a shit game and win. To be honest, because madness that leads Absolutely. us nowhere. Madness. Hey, hey, winning is an outcome of improvement. Uh, so so we just going. Chronologically, so the Rebels played next. They beat Moana oh, last God. week. They lost to they lost to the Crusaders. They lost to the Crusaders before. Um, I mean, the Rebels okay. looking good, kind of sexy. Uh, oh, I, but I didn't watch this game. I guess you did, Nathan. Talk, talk did, to me about Callaway and Carter Gordon. Oh, how good! Um, Carter Gordon is just firming for a worldly spot. Like he is, he's got one hand on that plane ticket to France. He just looks so calm, so controlled, and measured. Like he. He really led um, the Rebels perfectly against Moana. Like, he's got the first half blitz, essentially let him build a big lead before nearly giving it all away. Thank God, thank goodness they didn't. And then the Crusaders game, just the sheer confidence of a 20, I think it's 22, 23 year old. When you've defended your line for six minutes, they go, nah, let's go for a kick for my own in goal. <laughs> Madness. Love it. He's just, and Kelway at the back is just, oh, it's interesting. We all of a sudden thought Tom Wright had the fullback jersey locked up. Kelly's just consistently just come back in, really added a new dynamic to that attack, and it's been been one of the better players. Again, they're they're looking good, the Rebels, but mm. for sixty minutes, mm. it's a twenty minute fades towards the end where they're just kind of falling off tackles, not closing out games. You know, let the let, let the Crusaders back in when they were, I think they led with thirty minutes ago or something like that. All of a sudden, let a bonus point go against Moana. Like it's those things you can't be doing. And the difference between what's a what's a good team on the on the rise and what could be a great, real exciting team that could del- deliver some of the best rugby that we've we've seen Super Rugby. Um, just a thought starter here to go back to what I was saying before about playing more games in the year. You go, okay, you want to see how you can follow on that next year, but they won't play again for the what the season finishes before finals. They won't see each other again for eight months. Nick, any thoughts on this game? Oh, the rebels are tearing the rebels are tearing my hair out. Oh my god! Like Jesus Christ! Now we're now we're entering the stage of consistently inconsistent teams uh, for the remainder of the podcast. Oh my god! The rebels have played in the last three weeks some of the best rugby and most confident rugby I've seen from them ever mm-hmm. in one half, and then <laughs> and then it goes to shit in the second half. Let, like they were leading against the Blues, and they and they they conceded that, and not only conceded it, but then got fifty put on them. They were leading against the the Crusaders with a lead of of just under two converted tries, and conceded forty. And they were on their way to a massive bonus point win against Moana. And let's be honest, with a few minutes to go, could have lost that game. Mm. And I don't look. I want this Rebels team to do really, really well. But come on, you're tearing my hair out right here. Yeah. It's you're it's, tearing me apart. Rebels. You're tearing me apart, Kevin. No, it's uh, it's just <laughs> it, like there is there is so much to like, and there is so much to click, and there is so they're so close to producing that really fun, attractive, fantastic footy that we want them to do. Mm. Similar to the Force, in all honesty, because the Force have moments where they look fantastic, um, just like outdoing the Kiwis in terms of sheer running rugby and athletic ability. And we'll get to that with the Reds game. But oh my god, the 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 those coach killers are coach killers. Mm. And this is a team that could make finals. It is, but I am starting to, considering that they've got a quite a tough run home in the fact that they've got Brumbies and, and they're going, they're going to be facing the Tars at home, which is a, is a winnable game, but then they've got to do a go over to New Zealand as well. Just I'm not seeing at the moment where this team is sitting right now. I don't see them squ- uh, squeaking into finals. I want them to desperately because it has actually been quite a I think it's been a positive year of growth but mm. execution that that when like when they've been on they've been on but when they've been off they have been off hard and it's not yeah. good Nathan quickly any I think Nick summed up pretty good okay cool like, all right we'll I move have... on <laughs> Reds and Force so the Reds got another win if they win again this weekend be three wins in a row why'd they sack Brad Thorne okay Nathan 
You can talk about this one. I don't watch it. I was out doing things. Yeah, yeah, we get it. You have a life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thoughts on the game? Um, I just just a really controlled performance in the Reds. They feel like they've the kind of weight around Brad Thorne's future has kind of lifted, been lifted. Like again, Fraser McWright looked incredible. Like that that battle with Hooper this week is going to be amazing. The four packs just starting to kind of come together. They're getting the best out of the likes of Vunavalu and uh and you know. Um, James O'Connor at centre, like they're just kind of starting to get it all together. And whilst I think I've been critical of, of them in the past of peaking too early, I think we're just starting to see the right kind of star play from the Reds against like four sandwich again. They just deal. They're dealing with a lot of injuries. Like they couldn't get any go forward with a second string front row. You know, Carl Dezano, I thought coming back was great. He's all of a sudden he's come out of nowhere since since returning from since we talked about the last pod. Where did he uh, come yeah, back from? Erling in essentially playing second division English rugby and then got the call from Cron and went, yeah, I want to come back. Let's go. Right. And, but so, yeah, which again, it's a shame for the force because they looked, they looked really good against the Highlanders. Like mm. that was a, again, they closed out a game. They started strong and closed it out in similar fashion. Like it was one of the probably more better 80 minutes performance by an Australian team against like their Kiwi counterpart. But I don't know. It's for the Reds. It's a positive step forward, but force, yeah, disappointing. But once they start getting a lot of their injuries back, they can make a real, they can shock some teams late with a, a settled run home outside of this week against the Crusaders. Mm. It's also, they have a fairly decent team on paper as well. Um, they have a good front row, starting front row, good lock pairing. Um, it's just about keeping it all fit. Like Isaac Rudder, I think, is back in three weeks. Like, yeah. Once, and- once they get well, um, so Falau, Fangar, Tom Robinson back. Medrano, yeah. that'll be sweet. Yeah, um, and Nicerani, he's he's back now. Yeah. I don't think yeah. he's, he's, he's in the, what is he actually back like in the squad playing? Yeah, like he's just he's coming off knee year. surgery, so he's just a couple of yeah, he's back. He's just yeah, coming off knee surgery, so he's just a couple away, oh, a couple yeah. weeks away. Yeah, yeah, cool. Nick Red Force quickly. Um, Handy, interesting game. Uh, hard to follow up. The, the Crusaders Chiefs game before, but it, this game did have its moments. And I think uh, an excellent example of really quality game management by the Reds um, just felt like they had the, the force in a metaphorical chokehold chokehold for a lot of the mm-hmm. game. Um, just the, the force when they had the ball in hand looked so dangerous. And I think this has been the real positive that has come out of the force this year is they are looking, they look fantastic with ball in hand. They look really, really good. Uh, the big difference that the thing that came up was the, which we alluded to earlier was when that, in that win against the Highlanders, there was a real maturity to that force performance, just a real trusting in the systems and delivering it home and, Knowing that they that they could could see the job through, which is really critical, and that's I think their third win on the trot at home, I believe the Force have. I, I believe they haven't actually been beaten yet um, at home, which is which is a which is really positive to hear. But it also highlights that it's round it's round eleven this weekend, and they've only had three games at home, so it's just which I think is absolutely incredible. But oh my god, uh, just uh, that the fact that they lost, they've lost Robertson, but then also Madrano just before the game started didn't help because it meant that two international props out is is a big loss. Um and they got pushed around in the scrum a little bit as a result and then their discipline kind of fell apart and then they were just kind of fighting for the rest of the game and the Reds just kind of held them out. Really good control. I will say big positive for the Reds. God, their discipline looks so much better this week. So much better. I, um, I, I wonder actually, you know, cause we we're talking about it. Uh, I wonder if that's McKeenan's now running the show kind of thing. Um, I know Nathan Jevney thoughts on that. I mean, I'll, I'll get a chance though. I'm hanging up in Townsville this week. So I'll get a better look at kind of what, what goes up on that red system. But, um, I think he took the halftime interview, which again is mm-hmm. I think usually Thorne takes it, but again, seen assistants do it in the past, so it's not not that kind of big mm-hmm. re- revelation. But yeah, again, I think it's just a, a lot of kind of worked up stress and clouds hanging over the team. Or you, you you play a lot more freer, you make a lot more, you're kind of second guessing futures, or you know, which essentially 
caught him out with those real dumb offside penalties and dumb stuff around the ruck, which I can still hear Josh screaming about. Like it's <laughs> like it's just one of those things. You just I think they played with a lot more played with a lot more clean and clear ahead and kind of it showed. I think it was thirty two minutes for the first penalty and they like, when they again it's funny what happens when you don't get in your own way. Last thing to mention, how much do you how much do you have to do not deny deny Fraser McRider hat trick? That was cruel. That was cruel. Just oh Jesus. Uh, Ruben, what are you doing, man? But, you know, it is what it is. He had a fantastic game as well. Uh, also, just a random kind of comment. I really wish Liam Wright would sort out his haircut situation. <laughs> yeah, stop trying to grow a beard, bro. Like, stop growing it out. It looks weird. Uh, <laughs> just get fade or something like everyone else or a mullet. All right, let's move on to fixtures coming up. And we can just quickly go through them. I think so. There's five rounds left. So next weekend, um, we've got... Oh, first Australian game, Crusaders versus Force. Western Force will lose that one. Not even going to bother asking you, please. Uh, Queensland harsh. playing the Tars on Saturday night. This is going to be the game of the round, I reckon. This is going to be yeah. an absolute cracker. Like, I, Reds have got the better of the Tars in the past couple of years. Like, But this is a, a Waratahs team that's starting to find form, starting to get all its injuries back. Like, it's a genuine 50 50 game. But it's. Mm. I think this is the time the Waratahs get it done. Yeah, Nick, oh, that's that's a good. I no, I think Reds. I think Reds. I I and it, I just f- have a feeling that in terms of progression, I think both sides have improved compared to rounds four to nine, which I'll just refer to as the dead zone where all sides were terrible in Australia, mm-hmm. except it, bar bar our beautiful ponies out of the capital. I will say that just the fact that the Reds are, could be in the, in the in the line for three on the trot, just feel like they're progr- they've progressed more. Since starting to return to form, I just see them being a lot more measured and controlled. I think the Waratahs have more firepower than them, but Nick, you and I both watched that Waratahs game against the Highlanders and they were crab juice. So- yeah, they were crap. Oh, crap. Real seven up versus crab juice areas. Um, you'd say that? Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, you're right. It'll be a good game. Be a good game. Another Ooh. good game be the Brumbies are down in Melbourne. So that'll be another cracker. That's the 2.30 um, East Coast Elite time on Sunday. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> I reckon Brumby's got it done. Like Brumby's are just seem to be a class above everyone. Like they're just I reckon that they'll be hurting after um the feat last week. They should get Pete Simon and Lenny Cattell back, two big conclusions. Rebels likewise should get Richard Hardwick and Josh Cannon back with Matt Phillip, if not this week, most likely next week or the week after. But I think Brumby's will be too good. And also, yeah, shout out to Pete Simon, who got engaged and he took the photo, put it on Instagram and his shirt was sucked in. What a legend. Yes, oh, yes, my boy. <laughs> okay, and so the week after that, just in case we don't do another pod, um, depends on how many people get sacked from w- uh, Rugby Australia. Sorry, resign. Um, <laughs> that means we'll get uh, more. Let's not, let's not tempt fate here, Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> so Chiefs are playing the Reds first game on Friday on the 12th of May. You hope the Reds do well. It's in Waikato. It's in Waikato. The, way it's in the, the yeah, Chiefs it's in are Waikato. the. I it's was actually ju- at Yarrow Stadium. Oh yes, the Yarrow Stadium. New, New Plymouth. New Plymouth. I will say, can we talk about how good the Chiefs have been looking? Let's just. I know that. I know that we we like to talk Australian teams at the moment, but I don't think I've ever seen the Chiefs look this solid. Even when it was when they went back to back with Dave Rennie as coach, mm. I feel like that, like I cannot find flaws in this side. In all yeah, honesty, I, I just don't know how you beat them. I, I don't, don't neither do I. I do not like if the Crusaders can't beat them, who can? Twice. Twice. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah they just, they, they look just insane. I, again, it's going to take a special performance from a team to beat them. Yeah. Like, um, you say that, like, if the Waratahs are crab juice, then the, the Chiefs are currently, well, I was going to say, like, a, a champagne from, like, the, one of the most expensive oh, champagnes from France. Bit of Prosecco. Bit yeah. of Prosecco. Yeah, a, a nice okay. April Spritz. Ooh, oh, so rugby. Um, <laughs> the, that game, same night, Western Force are playing the Drua. 5.35 in, in Perth. That's a, on a Friday. That's a bit of a punish. It's that, it's that or it's, you've got, you, you either have that or it's going to be a 7.30 start in Perth, which is a 9.30 here in in the East Coast Elite. Like it's, yeah, well, that's it's what a, I mean. Think about us. Um, and they have, what about me? Um, yeah. I know, <laughs> uh, but you know, you just kind of, yeah, I'm. A, I'm thinking for the for the the sea of blue. Force should win uh, that. Force, yeah, I'd should. say force would be favourites for that one. I will say the Drua. Have, game, 
Drew have a good ability to uh like Drew have a good ability to to turn game plans inside out, but just the force of good at home. <laughs> whether it's whether it's the opponents of their own. Um <laughs> That's uh, the fun. You, you never know what's gonna happen. <laughs> you never know. Also that weekend, uh Crusaders Blues playing, that'll be a good game. Um okay. on Saturday, at five o'clock. And then the Tars are playing the Rebels. Rebels got it done in round two, but I reckon it's still the Warriors get the revenge. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. I'd say, look, if the Rebels can play for more than 60 minutes, they are a legitimate shot to win this because they have looked much more positive than the Tars have. Mm. However, I I don't think that right now, when they're, as I say, when they're switched off, they are switched off. And I think the Tars have more consistency in them right now to win. So oh, I, okay, I, I'd geez. probably agree no, with I'd that. I'd say the Rebels will win on that one if the Waratahs play like they did on Friday. Um, and then finally, the last game of the round that is two weekends away. Uh, another Sunday game for the Brumbies, who, who it's their turn to play the Highlanders. Stampede on. Let's go. <laughs> let's go for a clean sweep. Up the ponies. And then the week after that, actually, sorry, uh, the Rebels get to play the Highlanders, but in Dunedin. And then um, Reds afterwards as well. So let's, let's go for a yeah, five and yeah. eight, five and nine Australian we, teams. We, uh, yeah, is it like, are we going to, are we going to try and put, you know, now we, we've jinxed it, but are you going to say that, uh, yeah, we could try and go for five and oh against the Highlanders. Then the Kiwis will be <laughs> yeah. like, the Kiwis will be like, can you, can you, can you swap the Brumbies and we'll give you the Highlanders? It's a good trade. It'll be, um, yeah, it'll actually be five and one. Because the force I've played them twice and lost them in Dunedin. Oh yeah, true. Oh, they yeah, did. That's they right. did. That's right. Doesn't count. Damn, I just remembered more rugby games than you guys. I think you're. I think you're evolving, Nick. I did it. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I think that's all. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this pod. There's going to be a Super W pod. I predict that will also come out featuring uh, Nick and Nathan. So uh, you know, keep an eye out for that one as well. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, I think that's a really silly question. You know, rugby's a game of 15 players on the, on the field. When we're attacking, we're attacking weak defenders. We're looking for weak defenders. Why would we run at the strongest defenders? So if Martin's there and, and sorry, what's your name? Nick, and Nick's there, we're not going to run to Martin, are we? <laughs> Guys, can you just send my best wishes to Warren? Make sure he enjoys the third and fourth playoff. <laughs> <laughs>